welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into the Film Guy Network here on a beautiful Monday evening. That is both offline and blue. So there we go. Um, yeah, so welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you. Uh, it is a Monday edition of tonight's show, which means we will be doing some reactions uh, to the Week 13 slate. It was rivalry weekend, all that good stuff. But I have an opening for you, um, as I sometimes, or I should say oftentimes do, when we do these uh, cold opens. Um, sometimes the cameras work, sometimes they don't. Um, but nonetheless, I do have something for you. And it's on managing expectations. Okay, what does that mean? We talk about it often on this channel. Um, but it's, it's really about being realistic about who you are. Okay, having self-assessments, having uh, real talks with yourself about what you are, who you are, what your capabilities are, what your deficiencies are, all that good stuff. Some self-awareness, okay? And if you have good self-awareness, nine times out of ten, you will manage expectations properly with how you think about yourself, what you think is ultimately possible uh, in your life, all that good stuff. If you manage those expectations properly, I promise you, you'll probably be a little bit happier in the long run. What the hell is this guy talking about? Um, I I'll just talk about me, for example. All right. When I got out of school and decided I want to be a guy who gives sports opinions for a living, you know what I was realistic about the fact that I didn't do? I was realistic about the fact that I wasn't Aaron Murray, that I didn't play at the University of Georgia, that I didn't play in the NFL. So you know what I was realistic about? I was realistic about the fact that the, the, the come up, the, the, the jump, the jump for me was going to have to be grassroots, baby. We was going to have to get out, get in front of people, show them who I was, and just introduce myself to the market and just slow climb this thing. It wasn't going to be no, ooh, I know somebody, or ooh, somebody knows me. I get to jump up on this top of this ladder and then begin my climb. No, 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 no. If those were my expectations, I would have been really, really let down by this four-and-a-half-year walk through the desert it required to, quote-unquote, make it, right, in this industry. It would have really, really sucked if I didn't have the correct expectations about who I was or what I was. I feel the same damn way about Texas A&M fans. Texas A&M fans have no idea where they truly stand in this world of college football. Y'all got no clue. You have not managed expectations properly about yourself. You just haven't. You think that you can buy your way into being an elite football program in this college football space. And I'm here to tell you that though NIL is enacted and that though the transfer portal happens and that though paying players is essentially legal now, just because you got all the money in the world doesn't mean you just get to skip ahead of the line and start automatically hiring great top five football coaches. That's not how this shit works. That's not how any of this works. That is not how managing expectations work. So when you tell your fan base that you are the most dedicated fans in the world and that you have an empty pocketbook or an uh, 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 endless pocketbook, you can go out and do anything that you want and then you tell them that they're going to hire Mark Stoops, they freak the ever-loving piss. I'm just out. Just why? Everyone just panics and freaks out. Why? Because you've been telling them that you got an opportunity to pay Ryan Day $100 million a year. When in reality, that is not the case. In reality, 
Mark Stoops was the best you were ever going to do, but you gaslit your football program and your football fan base into thinking that they had an opportunity to pay Kirby Smart $25 million a year. It's not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation was Mark Stoops was the best available. You didn't like him. You thought you were better than him. And now you got Mark Stoops' equate version. You got Mike Elko, who, let me just paint a picture for you. There's this football coach who won 10 games at a perennial basketball school. You should hire him, right? Yeah, except that was Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Mike Elko's been at Duke for two seasons. He went 7-5 this year. Granted, he had quarterback issues. He did. But it ain't like y'all just signed the next, you know, coming of Bear Bryant on the, on the forefront of this stuff. And Texas A&M fans will come out here and they'll say, whoo, thank God we got Jimbo Fisher's former defensive coordinator. He knows how to recruit the state of Texas. He's got great relationships in the high school football development department. That's freaking great. That's awesome. That's, that's great. He knows all the high school football coaches in the state of Texas. You know what I know about the state of Texas? That no matter... Who you are, if you're Mike Elko, don't no matter how many high school football coaches you know, every single time you walk into a high school football program at the, in the state of Texas, and it's you, and it's Steve Sarkeesian, and it's uh, you know Brett Venables, and it's Chip Kelly. You know who sits fourth in that ranking? You do, Mike Elko in Texas A&M. So yeah, he, he, knows, he knows all the relationships in the state of Texas. He's still fourth fiddle. I, I got so frustrated, and, and it's because I'm a, you know I'm a Marky Stoops guy. Y'all know I respect the hell out of Mark Stoops. I think Mark Stoops is a great football coach. They just let one walk because they had bad expectations about what they were. Somebody told them that they could come out here and hire a top five football coach because they got all this money in the world, realizing that, or not realizing that, don't nobody want to do the Yale squad the moment they come to the daggum uh, announcement that they're their head football coach. They don't want to do the swagless surf with a bunch of boosters out there doing, hey, we don't want to do that shit. Y'all are weird. It's a classic case of every every college football fan thinks that their their coaching job and that their program is the most desirable in the country when their job becomes open, and that's why every time fans want to run to jump to the conclusion of oh we need to get rid of our head coach. Now I'm not saying Jimbo Fisher did not need to be let go or be fired or any of that, but. It's, a, it's the same case of the grass ain't always greener because then when you do let Jimbo Fisher go and you do untie yourself from that contract, sure, you can take a sigh of relief and you can say, glad that's over, glad we got that finished. But then you start looking around and it's like, oh, well, Ryan Day, you're going to become our head coach. Well, no, you're going to go get a Mark Stoops. And Mark Stoops would have been a great hire. But now you're at Elko, who's still a good hire. But it's just everybody has these overarching expectations of who they think their school should be able to go get after. But that's never the reality. I mean, this is why you don't put a lot of merit into what the fans think when it comes to the hiring process. Obviously, there are some instances where it's a marriage between two where the fans want the coach and the boosters and all of them want the coach, but <clears throat> I don't really hate this hire. I don't think Mike Elko is an awful choice. No, I look, I, I'm not opposed to the Mike Elko hire. Mm -hmm. I think it was a step down from Stoops. I just I did not love the way that this process was covered um, mm -hmm. from the start. I didn't love this idea that people were out here gaslighting a fan base, telling them that they have an ability to go out here and hire these actual like top in top five football coaches. Dabo Sweeney mentioned, well, Kirby Smart mentioned, uh, I mean, you know, just everybody. They thought they had an opportunity to do so and pay them twenty five million dollars a year. In reality, they paid Mike Elko seven. Yeah, but you have to remember they got Jimbo Fisher at a time when he was a top five coach. 
Like okay. G- like Jimbo Fisher was a huge name when they first hired him. Now, obviously, he's flamed out since then, but he was Jimbo Fisher. Wow, he had that 2013 Florida State team that was so great. He went to the playoff the year after that. So they did go out and get the top five coach. They chose to not do it this year because I think you have a little you shudder a little bit when you think of the Jimbo Fisher year. So that's why they went with a guy more like Mike Elko. It wasn't necessarily because they couldn't or like because no one wanted him. What was that term you just used? Shuddered? Yeah. Hmm, I like that. I probably won't use it the way you used it. That's okay. But that was good stuff. Um, no, I, 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 it sounded like I got, I got hatred for Mike Elko. I think Mike Elko's a serviceable football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, just wasn't the splashy hire that they, they ran Mark Stoops out. Because they ran Mark Stoops out because they were like, this isn't good enough. He's not good enough for our program. But Elko is. It, it, was, it was weird to me. And it, it felt very uh, angled towards Mark Stoops. But besides that point... What do you guys think of this idea that athletic directors are going out here hiring and making decision make or making decisions and then telling a guy like Billy Lucci, hey, go go see what they think about this? You know what I mean? Because this is what happened, right? Texas AM made the decision, we want to hire Mark Stoops. Okay. Billy Lucci told his, you know, Texag's website, we're hiring Mark Stoops. The damn thing burnt to the ground. Within like 45 minutes, they completely bailed out of the entire situation and then hired Mike Elko. I'm not a fan. What? Yeah, it's I'm definitely not weird. It's the same thing Tennessee did when they were looking for their next head coach. When they were siphoning yeah. through their hires, it seemed like, oh, well, let's test out this name. Let's see how the fan base feels. What was it, Greg Schiano? Wasn't yeah, it? Greg That's who they were going to hire. And the same thing happened. Tennessee fan base flips out, says, hell no, we don't want Schiano. And it's like, okay, well, then we'll go get Josh Heupel. It's just, I, I'm just not a fan of it. Look, you're the athletic director for a reason. You're supposed to be making these decisions. How about you stand ten toes down on your decision and you own up to it and you say, "This is who we're going." With. Also, like if I'm if I'm a head football coach and I see this happen to the guy that almost took the job before me, how does that provide any type of security into the decision making process that are that I'm entering? Right, that we can just be we can be attacked by the mob essentially within my own fan base to essentially get rid of me when I'm, you know, maybe not performing to their standards. That was just as weird as the way the Mark Stoops return to Kentucky was covered by the KSY radio folks. The Kentucky sports radio folks were just as like clearly getting fed directly from Stoops as people like, nah, Stoops never wanted to go. Like, we don't even need a pay raise, baby. We cover Big Blue, whatever the hell they got going on. Like, we yeah. love Kentucky. Go Cats. Um, bullshit. All of it. Bullshit. Every single bit of it. The dude wanted to go to A&M. A&M announced the hire subconsciously behind closed doors. They freaked out. Stoops said, oh, you don't want me? Okay, they do. No, yeah. we're not giving you a pay raise. You tried to leave us. End of discussion. Um, it, it definitely puts... Kentucky in a weird situation. It definitely puts Kentucky and the fans in a weird situation. It's it's similar to I feel like what UCLA did in the reverse aspect where it's we're gonna fire Chip Kelly and then he wins and then he wins a big game <laughs> and now eh, we're kinda not gonna fire like when you put no trust into a coach, it, it's it doesn't go well for the fan base, I don't think. It doesn't speak well to them. Plus, I'm going to use this opportunity to say something about any head coaching hire and any coach talking about potential head coaching hires. Can we stop slandering head coaches for saying that they're happy where they are and yeah. they're happy to be with this program and then go and take a head coaching job somewhere else the next day? What are they, What else are they supposed to say in that situation where I'm in a press conference probably after a football game and you're saying, oh, your name's being linked to Texas A&M. What do you think about that? 
You're supposed to say, I'm happy where I'm at right now. I love my time here. I'm, my family's happier. So what if you move on? Like, no, if, if they came out there and said, oh, yeah, I'm definitely over there talking to Texas A&M right now, then you're going to get slandered for not being fully bought into your program now. So I, I just had to take a moment to do that. No, you're, you're 100% right. I, I think coaches have an obligation, though, to tell, to, to tell the truth every once in a while um, if the writing's on the wall. But if yeah. it's not, if you're still up in the air, then you have to approach those things with ambiguity because of what you're talking about. What if, uh, you know, what if in, in that case a coach says, yeah, I am interviewing for the Texas A&M job. Yes, they have called me. Yes, I am intrigued by it. And then you're not the one that's picked. Well, now you're a freaking lame duck in your own fan base. Yep. So, like, you can't open yourselves up to that type of stuff. The coach speak is expected in those mm -hmm. types of situations. It makes sense. Yeah, it's it's – it's an unfair question to coaches at some at, to some degree because you're setting them up for failure because, one, no one's going to believe you if you tell the truth if, where it's, you know, I'm kind of happy where I am right now. I'm not really worried about that. I'm, I'm focused on my team. No one's going to buy that. And then if you do end up going to that other school, you're, you're outed as a liar. So it's a lose-lose for coaches. So whenever that question's asked, I kind of I, you don't really have to pay attention to it. That's the other great thing is that even when coaches deny the allegations of them being like, like the, both Washington coaches or, or coordinators – when they're asked about head coaching jobs, they're like, oh, no, I, I love being at Washington. Everybody goes to Twitter. It's like, oh, he's definitely leaving. They're definitely leaving our program. You can tell just by the way he answered that they're going to leave the program. So it doesn't even matter what you say. They're going to say you're leaving anyways. Absolutely. All right. That was one major hire out there at Texas A&M. Um, I would argue that Mississippi State fans probably feel like they got the better football coach. I think it's as perfect as a hire for Mississippi State mm -hmm. as you could ask for. Yeah. In Jeff Levy, obviously yeah. for the fans who didn't know. Um, Mississippi State has hired Jeff Levy. Um, they're going to pay him, I think I saw $6 million a year Good for him. to be their head football coach. Um, and I think he signed a five-year contract, so he's going to be there for a little while. Um, here's the thing. If, uh, if Mississippi State comes out and wins eight or nine football games two years in a row, He's gonna be he's gonna be taking the Texas A&M job anyways. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's, if Mike Elko goes eight and five, all right, and Jeff Levy goes eight and five over the next two years, two years from now, Jeff Levy's the head coach of Texas A&M. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I could sit here and in hindsight, two years from now, if Jeff Levy turns out to be a success at Mississippi State, guess what? He ain't gonna finish out at Mississippi State. If his head coaching career shows out to be what we think it's going to be, what it's projecting to be, all right, then he ain't going to stay there very long. He's going to be out of there um, and, and on to his next place. It was a tremendous hire for Mississippi State, and it did cost them money. I also thought it was dope to see the reaction from the fan base. I think it was like 11 o'clock local time. Jeff Levy lands, and they got everybody out there going nuts with the cowbells. The cowbells. Um, <laughs> Are the cowbells cool? I think the cowbells are the SEC saying, "Man, you're a cow you're cowbellless from being Vandy." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we got to yeah. give you some type of advantage. Mm -hmm. No, no offense to this so, state. So fans. you, so do you like them? Is what you're saying? You, you think it's? No, I think it's. I, I think it's loud as shit. I've been to a football <laughs> game out there. It is loud. It is very, very loud. Maybe one of the louder stadiums in the country because they get to cheat, and the SEC allowed them to cheat. It's the only stadium in the country yeah. that is allowed to bring in, you know, outside objects to make noise. It's mm -hmm. the only only school in the country. Well, you know, it's all, it's annoying enough when one person has it as a high, at a high school football game when yeah. they're, that mom's in the crowd giving that thing a go. You good, bro? You all right? <laughs> Take a swig of water, bro. What are you doing? No, no, I'm, I'm good. I got um, it back. Yeah, one's annoying enough. Nonetheless, thousands of them. That's hor that sounds horrible. I'm worried about my man's. Yeah, there. dude, that did not look good. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Okay. Man was choking. Jeez. All right.
Welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you. It was a tremendous weekend of college football outside of the, the general drama that typically arrives during the coaching carousel season. And it is in full swing. I don't believe we are done with the uh, alleviation of college football coaches um, this season. So I'm sure there'll be a couple more vacancies that open up. Uh, welcome in. We got to recap the weekend of college football, and we will preview the upcoming conference championship weekend this weekend. And, of course, we will give our end-of-year superlatives. The end of the regular season has arrived, and we're going to go through some of our superlatives for the season and hopefully beat some of the ops to this. I, I haven't seen this today. Um, I'm hoping nobody's jumping on this. But now that I said it, I'll probably see it all over my YouTube algorithm that people have already doing senior superlatives. So welcome in. Make sure you're in that thumbs up. Senior superlatives. End of your superlatives. Make sure you're in that thumbs up button. Like, subscribe, rate, review, and all that good stuff. If you have watched all three hours tonight, they will be available this week uh, on our podcast platforms. Just search the Film Guy Network. You will find them, however, wherever you get your podcast uh if you listen to us some of you do make sure you're running over to our video platforms over on youtube hitting that like subscribe rate and review all that good stuff all right i've asked you for enough support i'm gonna ask you one more time to support our friends over at prize picks using promo code brooks you get a 100 percent deposit match all right boys where do we want to start do we want to start with the game yeah, yeah let's do the game let's do it i talked about it yesterday um I, I i very very highly anticipated this football game uh, the, the the biggest game in the regular season, in my opinion, that we've seen since probably the last time these two teams were one and two back in the Terrell prior days mm -hmm. when Michigan was really, really good. Um, that 2016 game was really big. 2016 was really, really big. The, the fourth down stop right there was a massive ball game. They've had some big ones. This is the biggest one, in my opinion, that they've had because of all of the extenuating circumstances. Uh, and, and Michigan wins this football game 30 to 24. I know everybody wants to say how great of a football game it was. I thought it was painstaking to watch at times. Honestly, it's exactly what I was expecting the football game to be. A I went into that fight. Yeah, I went into that football game knowing it was going to be a defensive football game, knowing that neither offense was going to really blow me away unless Marvin Harrison was going to do something special. It was going to be Michigan brand offense of them running the football down someone's throat and JJ McCarthy every now and then throwing a nice pretty pass into the mix and Michigan ultimately just boa constricting their opponent and choking them out there in the end. Yeah, it was one of those games where you weren't expecting anything super flashy. I was expecting it to be more heated. Yeah, you, usually, yeah. usually when you watch that game, you can feel the hate coming off the field. It didn't seem that way this game. It seemed like both teams were in there trying to handle this, which I get. You, you, you're vowing for a playoff spot, but it didn't feel like a super influential or super consequential game. Can I say something? Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound like a, a mean person here. But it's just – it's a football take, okay? Because I thought somebody had died on the football field Saturday based off the reaction oh, from other people. Yeah. Look, bro, if someone breaks their leg, that sucks, okay? But we don't have to circle around everybody and start crying in the middle of the field because some people at a Taco Mac that just looked down to eat their chicken wing looked up and thought somebody was dying on the football field, okay? I saw the stretcher out there. The first thing I said is, God dang, is the dude paralyzed? No. They had an air cast on his leg, and it was all good. I love the emotion. Big game. Emotions are high. Don't make me think somebody died on the football field. That that really scared me Saturday. Did y'all? Did anybody else have the feeling of like yeah. shit? Did someone just oh, get paralyzed? I saw the ambulance on the field. And I was like, what the hell just happened? I was like, what's going on? I saw tears, paral or tears, ambulance, back brace. I thought immediately someone's dead on the football field. Yeah, I didn't immediately go to that just because I I feel like you kind of got the feeling he was holding his leg when it happened. But to me, it, 
it was weird, but again, this is the same team that two weeks ago cried because their head coach wasn't on the field. Big facts. Like, like Michigan versus everybody. They were bawling because Harbaugh wasn't there with it. You'd have thought Harbaugh died. I was more bothered by the fact that the, what they did two weeks ago than last week. Injuries are emotional. When you watch someone you practice with every day, one of your best friends go down like that, I get the crying there. So, All right, it's totally off subject here, um, but the chat's talking about Texas Tech being a better job than Texas A&M. That's where I'll draw the line. <laughs> you know? That's where I'll draw the line. Interesting. Let's not go too, too far. Even there. Patrick Mahomes doesn't make that a better job. Yeah, for real. Um, that's a great point. No, I, I thought this football game was really, really ugly in my opinion. Now – Michigan had two really, really key fourth down calls. Uh, they had some some major, uh, it, it, you know, swing momentum plays. But I thought it boiled down to Kyle McCord's interception early in the football game, yep. automatically gifting Michigan seven points. A missed field goal right there before the half yep. that made them chase the entire second half. Um, and then outside of that, the fourth down conversions. And I think mm-hmm. there was one other thing that impact. Oh, the interception. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the bobbled catch, the weird call yeah. between McCarthy, the McCarthy ball to Damon Wilson or uh, Marco, what was, what was the number Roman one? Wilson. Yeah. Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson. The, the ball over the, the safety sh- uh, shoulder right there. Yeah. That, I mean, ball was moving the entire play. Yeah. To me, it looked like an incomplete pass. I wouldn't have gone as far as an interception. It looked like an incomplete pass to me. Well, this is it's one of those plays where if it's called an interception on the field, it would stay an interception. Yep. It, yep. There wasn't enough either way to make you say, oh, yeah, it's an interception or, oh, it's definitely a catch. The fact that it was called a catch on the field, and in real time it looked like a catch, I, you can't be mad at that call for standing because it stood. It, it wasn't confirmed or anything like that. Plus, if you're an Ohio State fan, I think there was equally of controversy of a call on your final drive of the football game, the pass prior to the interception where it very well could have been 50-50, and they ended up giving you the benefit of the doubt, and they called it a completion. So I talked about it yesterday because Georgia fans were complaining about the way that the game was officiated uh, Saturday night. I hate it when people do it. And, like, and I think Kirby said it best after the game. If it's, like, plus two or three, I mean, come on, what are we doing? That's life. Sometimes the, the, the calls are going to go your way that day. Sometimes they are not. We're not going to sit here and blame referees for wins and losses. Um, I thought, you know, the different, the obvious difference in this football game was – their quarterback was slightly better than yours. Absolutely. My biggest takeaway from the game was that these were two teams that are not meant to play from behind. Mm. And an early interception forced Ohio State to play from behind the entire game, and they were never able to recover. Mm-mm. I think if you flip-flop that where J.J. McCarthy throws that interception and Ohio State scores first, I think Ohio State wins that game. Mm-hmm. Just be, Now, maybe the crowd factors into it a little bit. Maybe they don't miss the field goal. But for the most part, neither one of those teams look like they should be able to play from behind because they run it down your throats, power ball. We're going to play suffocating defense. And if you get up 14 points on us, we're not going to be able to do much with it. All right, so my, my question now becomes with regards to Michigan, are they, are they this brand of football team the last three weeks because this is who they are, this is who they will be? Or are they this brand of football team because they have an interim head coach who is also their offensive coordinator who is also their offensive line coach? It's exactly the last point you just made because if you go and look at the game logs for Michigan, I mean, they're blowing people out of the water up until three weeks ago when they no longer had Jim Harbaugh and now they're in fist fights and they're winning games by seven, ten points and it's actually competitive football games. I mean, they were absolutely obliterating their opponents early in the season and throughout and now all of a sudden in the three weeks – Close games, doesn't look exactly the same. You're not winning in the same style, but you're getting the job done. But the opponents were shit. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I was about to say. Like, you look at what they've played the last three. I mean, we can all give shit to Penn State. They're a top 15 team. Yeah. That's a good team that they beat. Ohio State's one of the top five teams in the country. 
Obviously, who was it? Maryland might not be as good, but you had a couple of things. Strong Big Ten seven and five, though. Yeah, so it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they're not beating teams as badly, but it's also they're not playing teams that are as bad. Well, I'm glad you said that because I have two stats from this football game and about the Big Ten in general. I'm I'm gonna start throwing. I'm gonna keep throwing shade at the Big Ten for this because they can't keep getting away with this. First one though. This is the first time since 2017 that neither team threw for at least 300 passing yards. Neither Ohio State or Michigan. It's the first time since 2017 that hasn't happened. So, interesting note there, just maybe about quarterback play and the teams in general. But here's the real kicker. The Big Ten, the offenses have been horrible. And this is why I think we keep mistaking the great defenses for the great offenses. Listen to this stat right here. So the the fourth best, fifth best offense, scoring offense in the Big Ten is Illinois, and they're 84th in the country. That means 10 out of 14 Big Ten teams rank 84th or worse in the country for scoring offense. What? 10 out of 14 Big Ten teams rank 84th or worse they're for scoring offense. one-fifth of the worst defense or offenses in the country? Yes. And the last week of the regular season. It's horrible. It is horrible offensive play in that conference. How many how many offenses do they have inside like the top fifty in total offense? Like uh, three? Michigan's up there, Ohio State's up there, Penn State's up there. Because of what they've done to the rest yeah. of the Big Ten. I can't remember who the fourth team is, but they're like literally like fifty five. I overheard Connor Riley shouts out, give a, a stat in the in the press room the other day. He said that if the rest of the Big Ten were held to Brian Ferentz's contract of mandatory 25 points, 10 of the 14 Big Ten teams would be fired. Yep. Holy shit. That is some bad-ass offense up there. Don't yep. tell me it's good defense. Don't. Because we watch football every single weekend, and we watch these offensive concepts that they're running. It's abysmal. It's really, really, really tough to watch. It's um, it's so bad. So when yeah. did they adopt this identity though? Because I feel like I think they've always had it. I, I think it has a lot to do with north northeastern football. Yeah. Um and, and weather during the, 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 the latter end of the year. And and but this is just purely off my like remembering things. I remember Ohio State always having seemingly a high flying offense mm-hmm. that would, would throw the piss out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Even Michigan with like a Denard Robinson. Like it was never as bad as it is now where it's just we're gonna run the ball. And, and we're going to run the ball until we can. I think you can blame Harbaugh to an extent. Harbaugh brought this type of football game up from Stanford to to San Francisco, now back down to Michigan. This idea of playing extra offensive linemen, this idea of leaning on the football, limiting possessions, and playing solid defense. Um, that's who they are. That's what they are. And you've seen the rest of the conference have to morph into this. Ohio State spent so much daggone time creating a tough identity that they no longer have a quarterback. You know what I mean? They, they, they yeah. can't be an air raid football team anymore because I think they've tilted too far into one identity and they've obviously mishandled the quarterback position. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that's exactly why you saw Ohio State have the run that they did in that conference because yeah. they were leaps and bounds better than everybody else in that conference offensively because they were getting their wide receivers. They had extremely better quarterback play than anybody else, and now it's finally catching up to every. It's like a disease that's spreading across the conference. What are y'all's thoughts on J.J. McCarthy? I think he's a good quarterback. I yeah. mean, when he throws the football, I'm like, wow, they, I, th- that dude is talented. I think he's NFL talented. I think NFL he's like, starter talented? Yeah, I think he has the traits of an NFL starter and the abilities of an NFL starter, but he plays in a system and, a, and an offense right now that treats him like Cade McNamara, yeah. which is really, really weird to me. It's bothersome to me. It's, and again, it, it, you could blame it on interim head coach, and I'm comfortable doing that. I really am. 
But are we going to ask this guy to play a different brand of football, assuming that Jim Harbaugh gets back? Which, by the way, everyone's just assuming that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard the conclusion of the NCAA investigation. Mm-mm. I don't know why y'all out here talking about he's going to be on the sidelines soon. Um, we ain't heard shit about none of that. Okay, so let's just hold off on that one. Um, but I, I think he's an NFL talented dude. Mm-hmm. They just don't play him like that. Yeah. yeah I, I think mean, he's thrown the ball for 30 or more times, just three or four times this year. Shouts out Jake Fromm. I could see him being like a Tannehill guy in the NFL. Yeah. Where it takes him a while, but. I was thinking more of like. Just to get enough reps in college. Yeah. I was thinking more of like a, not in the same of stylistic or talent wise, but like kind of like a, in a Kirk Cousins type of deal where like. Way better athlete. That's what I'm saying. Not yeah. like skill set wise, but like situational base of like he'll be put on a team like the Minnesota Vikings where he could thrive. Like you run the ball quite a bit and you're asked to make some throws. Like you're not going to be out there and t- told like go win the football game for us. I got a comment for you. This one comes straight from Jim Harbaugh himself. I think J.J. McCarthy <laughs> is a little bit of Patrick Mahomes, a little bit of Josh Allen, and a little bit of Tom Brady. That's who I think he is. Mm. Right. And when you have somebody that's that talented – you should certainly only throw the football 14 times a game. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Makes sense. Wholeheartedly. How about that Iron Bowl? I love it. That's, I love it so much. This has got to be the worst two-week coaching stretch ever, right? <laughs> it's pretty bad. Like It's pretty tough. It's, it's pretty tough to walk away from, for sure, for Hugh. Like, I mean, you get boat raced at home by New Mexico State. Mm. And then after that, you have the number eight team, your arch rival. You can put them out of the playoff. You have them beat. It's fourth and what, 36? Mm -hmm. 31. 31. And you let them win the game. Worst beat. Because you you run two and you put a spy for a third guy. Worst beat. This way this game ended or the way Miami lost to Georgia Tech? Uh, The way Miami lost to Georgia Tech. Way worse? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Fourth and, fourth and goal from the 31 is pretty Dude. statistically impossible. Yeah, I was about to say, statistic, it's almost in, statistically impossible to lose that situation. But the, the way Miami – But lo- at least at least Cristobal had the opportunity to just knee the ball out. Yeah. That's pretty bad. That's true. That's yeah. true. You, you know could have I mean? easily Aub- just Auburn said, had to go beat Game him. over. Here, here's what it is. Iron, ball is. Iron Bowl is more heartbreaking. Yeah. The way Miami lost is a worse beat. It's more embarrassing. Because you the game was yeah. literally won. The ball was in your hands. With Alabama, there's still a chance for, quote-unquote, a miracle. Mm-hmm. You gave that game back to Georgia Tech. That's why it's worse. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was pretty embarrassing that week. But th- this, this loss is gut-wrenching. And I, I talked about it Sunday, but we have probably people watching tonight that didn't watch Sunday, or maybe you haven't heard this one. But it wasn't just that one. You know what I mean? Like, the, the first scoring possession of the game, the first offensive possession for Alabama, they allow Jalen Milrow to throw a deep over on third and 17. Mm-hmm. Just a nice pitch and catch. They go on and score that drive. Right before the half, there's a minute and 35 seconds left on the clock. Alabama's just now gotten the ball back at the 30. They got to drive 70 yards in the next 90 seconds, having only really successfully moved the football one possession the entire half. And what happens? Auburn busts the coverage, 70-yard touchdown pass, boom, first play of the possession. It's like, how? How did you, how, how did you allow that to happen? All right, and then on the, on the last drive of the football game, everyone points to the fourth and 31, but what no one points to is the fact that Alabama, or Alabama converted a third and 20, essentially, on that drive. Jalen Milrow scrambles for 19 and a half yards. They get into a fourth and inches. They run a QB sneak or right off tackle, whatever it was. They get the first down, and then the rest of the shit uh, proceeds with all that nonsense. So I thought Auburn... 
found ways to not only play their best game of the year while also making the biggest critical mistakes of the year and just letting this game go away, just letting this game go by. Yeah, you know, at least with Georgia, when you were close and you were battling them, it was just, oh, Brock Bowers was Brock yeah, Bowers. That dude literally beat us. He was making one-handed catches. Like, that dude literally just beat us. They beat us in the last closing minutes of that football game. This one felt totally different because there was moments at final drive where it was like, oh, Auburn is going to win this football game, especially after the missed snap on the goal line, and then you get in all these crazy third-down, fourth-down situations. There's just no excuse for that. And that's why this one has to irk you even more because it was like, man, we should have 100% won this football game. This is that game that on Sunday in the film session, they're going to point out at least 20 plays where they go, if we do this differently, we win yeah. this game. And it's going to be truthful because they had so many opportunities <clears throat> to put them away and they squandered it. Obviously, the 4th and 31 is the most egregious of them. It's going to be the most famous, but oh. they could have done it elsewhere. They made polos with the 4th and 31 on it already. Already? Yep. Wow. Alabama polos that say 4th and 31. SEC, baby. I love it. What can you take from this football game, if anything, and apply it to the SEC championship game? Like if you're Georgia? Or? Yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're an analyst looking at the both football games. Because a lot of teams or a lot of people will say, well, Georgia or Alabama gave up a bunch of rushing success. I like what we talked about in the local hour. I don't equate the two. I don't, I don't say Auburn ran the football well, so that just must mean everybody can run on Alabama now. No, no I think <clears throat> Auburn runs a very unique uh, spread option that's really, really hard to stop. I think you can confuse this defense more. They're more susceptible than we thought they were confusing. I mean, there were a couple of plays where Auburn guys were wide yeah. open. Just pl by, by design, not by, oh, this guy got beat. By design. So that's something that would be more alarming if I'm an Alabama fan. I mean, not, a, not as much where, oh, they ran the ball. I'll go to the flip side. I'll make it a positive for Alabama is that Jalen Milrow can go down the field and win you a football game when you need him to. Now, you yeah. can you can call that final play luck if you want to. That dude threw it in dot. the perfect spot, the mm -hmm. only spot that you could throw that football. And he, he went down the field. He, he made the big um, third and long play that you're talking about where he at least got into a situation where you can go forward on fourth down and you can make it a manageable situation. He continued to make plays. I mean, heck, when shit hit the fan, and like I said, they had the missed snap in the goal line situation – he never wavered. He never looked frantic or anything. He stayed poised in the pocket, and he delivered big throws when he needed to. I just worry if, if your game plan is to go – and same thing against Alabama. Like, if you're talking about playing Alabama. If your game plan is to go into these games and live off of explosives, bro, you're going to yeah. be up for a long night offensively. Like, these teams just typically, historically, don't allow them. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't get to talk about it with Murray in the local hour, but I think that's one of the keys to success on both sides of the football in this SEC championship game. If you think your offense, or if your offense Saturday is going to have to be five yards in a cloud of dust, like we're going to matriculate the football <laughs> down the field, you're going to lose this football game. I'm telling you that right now. The team that not only – like a lot of teams or a lot of people say, oh, rushing success. Team who runs the football the most, doesn't turn it over, they'll win this football game. I say nay. I say the team that has the most explosives or has the most net explosives in this football game, meaning they had nine, only gave up five. They were a net positive before. The team that wins the explosive battle will score the most, most points on Saturday because these defenses are that good in between the 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting about Georgia and Alabama because if you look at the explosive numbers for Georgia and Alabama, is Georgia holds a pretty steady lead over them for 20-plus yard plays. But then when you get into 30-plus and 40-plus, Alabama's in the top 10 for both of those. Georgia's like top 15, top 20. 
So Alabama is basically either a home run or nothing, where Georgia is like, we're just going to hit you multiple times with 20-plus yard plays, work our way down the field and score. So interesting to see if that will pay off for Georgia or if it's going to be Alabama just chunking it. Yeah, I mean, if one team's doing three 20-yard explosives and one's doing a 20-yard and a 40-yard explosive, those teams are even. Yeah. They are. Mm -hmm. So um, Georgia, like you said, has done a really good job of just mounting up the 20-yard plays. They've never been – over the last four or five years, they just haven't been an 80-yard touchdown team, no, a 40-yard no. touchdown team, 50-yard touchdown team. Um, maybe it's because they don't have the electricity at the running back position. I don't quite know what it is, um, but they, they haven't had these massive, massive explosive mm -hmm. plays. I think a lot of it is because a lot of their explosives come from 50-50 balls or just deep, deep overs, things yeah. like that, whereas it's it's not as much a slant. Like, a lot of Lad McConkey has been – slant and goes yeah. double move types as that and that's where you are seeing 40 and 50 yard explosive plays but other than that a lot of it's just oh we, our receiver is better than your db mm -hmm. any more thoughts on the iron bowl i'm good no nope. just uh, electric environment oh love yeah. every as second of it i love every second as good it. as it gets and i i don't think enough is done in vegas in terms of like spreading that and being able to account for the fact that they're you know gonna be in football games, in that football game at home. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that was very, very noticeable, when you lose by New Mexico State by 21, um, and then the next week you come out and you're hitting explosives left and right on an Alabama defense, you might have spent two weeks preparing for hey, Alabama. Hey, that's what yeah. I said. <laughs> no doubt. That's what you I said. You might have spent two weeks preparing for Alabama, mm -hmm. which cost you an ugly loss. But, but it almost got you a historic you, win. Almost got you a pretty win. And <laughs> – this was always my thought process. And I, I think Hugh Freeze will ultimately take Auburn. No, I shouldn't even say that because the dude won a, uh, almost won a national title. He did win a national title. No, that was Gene Chizik. Um, I think Hugh Freeze will take Auburn to equal heights that Gus Malzahn did. But I was just never going to be in favor of firing a guy that's 500 against Alabama. I agree. I'm just not going to do that. And that's what Auburn did. And I think, you know, at least for the last three years, they they should have regretted it, right? The Brian mm -hmm. Harson stuff was a shit show, all right? And then this year has been very up and down. But I do believe in Hugh Freeze. I believe in his ability to coach offense and do the things required to get recruiting uh, uh, assets, right? He is willing to make people or is capable of getting people to invest in his football program. And in a world of arms races, literal literal arm races for talent, uh, that's a pretty valuable skill set that I don't believe Gus Malzahn necessarily had. But then again, 500 against Alabama, you can't fire those guys ever, um, especially when you're, you know, little brother over the last two decades of college football. Um, and it has been two decades. It's been since 2002 with Jason Campbell and then the one year with Cam Newton. Outside of that, they've been little brother – to to George, or to Alabama, so um, I wouldn't be firing five and five football guys. But uh, it was a tremendous football game, as it always is when it's played at Jordan Hare uh, next year. I don't know what it's going to look like in Tuscaloosa, but it doesn't tend to look like this no. in Tuscaloosa. Man, Alabama gets Georgia and Auburn at home next year. That's pretty wild. Do, do they play Oklahoma on the road? I don't know because I would imagine they got Oklahoma next year, not Texas. <laughs> Because every team in the SEC has to play mm. Texas and Oklahoma next year, right? So, yeah, it's got to be Texas or Oklahoma, one or the other. It's got to be Oklahoma then. It's got to be Oklahoma because they play Texas this year. I would imagine Sankey was smart enough to do that. Um, let's talk about the Egg Bowl, shall we? I watched it. this one at my mama's house down there in South Georgia, mm -hmm. um, and it fit the bill. It was a rock fight from hell yeah. right here, man. This was ugly. 
Yeah, not, not at all what I was expecting for this football game. But in the same sense, it is kind of what I'm ex- – because I, I, I don't know if they are the same tier, but I kind of put them in the same tier of like the Egg Bowl and the Iron Bowl are kind of like the two biggest – like throw, throw everything out. out of the window when this rivalry rolls up. And that's exactly what we got on set on that Thursday evening of just threw everything out. Ole Miss was by far and away the better football team this year, but it, Mississippi State hung around. They kept chunking Brock's at them, and they <laughs> ended up hanging around, and it was a great football game. I watched it with subtitles. Couldn't use the audio. <laughs> no, that's all right, though. Yeah, this game kind of played out exactly how I thought it would, where <clears throat> not from a scoring standpoint, but the fact that Ole Miss was never really in danger, but there was always that kind of feeling of, hey, you know, maybe Mississippi State can get a turnover. Maybe they can get something to make it interesting. One of those football games where the whole time you're like, surely Ole Miss will score this drive. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. One of those Yeah, like games. like as soon as they get the ball back, you're like, well, this, this well, is that was fun. it. This yeah. is it. And it, just, it, went till, it wasn't until late in the fourth quarter that it happened. But. We got to talk about it because we're the show to do it. Man's coming out on a four-wheeler. <laughs> I love it. It's cringy shit. I love also, it. Also, clearly had no idea how to drive a four-wheeler. Did you notice that? Yeah. He was popping the clutch like hell on that thing. They couldn't get my man an automatic four-wheeler. <laughs> hey, coach, it's already in gear. Just won't go and putter back out there. But he was the whole time. I liked it, though. You liked it? Yeah, it's one of those things. That it, it gets people's attention. It gets the people going. Yeah, it's what, like if you're a Mississippi State, if you're not a – top tier program in college football you need to do something to stand out so i, I, I don't hate it not gonna lie i didn't quite understand the message because kubelik put a me- you you had it on mute but kubelik gave him the mic was like what is your message to your team and why are you riding out on a four-wheeler this is about overcoming adversity let's go it's like <laughs> what definitely just fans definitely just get the fans riled up we're just trying to get the people going i'm not sure what to do with my hands that should have been the answer right there. yeah <laughs> um but yeah egg bowl was hella fun and yeah. it, it was classic egg bowl um speaking of classic just very gross very gross football game between florida and florida state i saw a florida player spit spit like full-on oh. triple h spray spit on a yes. dude i watched florida state football players take a knife to the Gainesville swamp grass and take a whole square out of it, so much so that the police officers had to come over and remove yeah. them from the field. Um, very ugly football game. Also, very. did you see the Florida player swipe his coach hand off of that it? That was nuts. That was wild. Like, abs- I, I, what was really crazy, I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that that assistant's been either fired or let go because what, what you noticed was that the player turned around, saw who it was, and was like, I can slap shit out this bitch. Yeah. And I, just immediately hit him. Like, that guy... Either the player needs to go or the coach needs to go because either way, there ain't no there ain't a lot of respect going on right no, there between those two points. And this is a, supposed to be a, a culture of respect or a football program or a football thing about respect. Perfect opportunity to trim the fat if you're old Bayou Billy. And that's exactly what he did after this football game. He fired some good football coaches today. Didn't you fire – did you say he fired Corey Raymond? Fired Corey Raymond and he fired his defensive line coach. Corey Raymond was his biggest hire when mm-hmm. he got to Florida. Yep. It was the one everyone pointed to. It was like, ooh, Billy Baggs out here. Going out there and getting the guy from LSU that everybody thought was eventually going to be a defensive coordinator one day. Uh-uh. What, th- this was weird. This was scapegoaty. Yeah. That's what it was. It was scapegoatish. Didn't really understand getting rid of your defensive line coach either because your defensive line was horrible this year. And you've recruited that position exceptionally well. Yeah, don't make much sense to me. I agree with you. I think it is very scapegoatish, very, very so. And and he doesn't have an offensive coordinator. He is the offensive coordinator, so there's not – and you're not firing Austin Armstrong. 
Because yeah. Austin Armstrong's going to get picked up as a defensive coordinator at your opposition real quick <laughs> <Yeah>. somewhere. <laughs> so, like, man, I <clears throat> he, oh, the scapegoat's the perfect word. They immediately was like, we got to do something. Okay, mm-hmm. we, we got to do something. We got to make some type of changes. And you can't fire the special teams coordinator because you don't have one. <laughs> Does this game hurt Florida State moving forward? That's, a, that's where we should have started yeah. with this conversation. Um, we talked about it. They needed to win with style points, and they did not. However, <clears throat> they did come from behind in this football game. If yep. you notice, they, they were down 13 nothing. They did that, and it feels like a lot of other teams hovering around that playoff spot played bad. Georgia didn't, Washington. Play, Georgia didn't play good. Washington didn't play good. Bama should have lost. Mm. There's another team in there that I'm missing. But, I mean, Ohio, Ohio State, State, Ohio State lost. lost. But yeah. mm-hmm. Texas and Oregon handled business. But, but I think the fact that Washington and Georgia – and you can also say, "Hey, it's rivalry week; anything yeah. can happen." But no, I don't. I don't think it helps Florida State's case in any anyway. Just hate it for Florida State, honestly. You know, I didn't get to comment on what happened last week with um, Jordan Travis and Florida State. It, it just sucks because you know you're taking care of business and you're going to be undefeated going to the ACC championship game. And on paper, you should beat Louisville after they just lost to Kentucky and they now lost two games on the season. You should win that football game. But nobody's going to respect you. Nobody's going to respect you coming to this college football playoff. And honestly, I don't know that your expectations should be all that high either making it back to college football playoffs. So it, it just sucks all around for them. But, yeah, I put it in the notes as well. Like Your backup quarterback helped lead you to a come-behind victory against your rival on the road, nonetheless, in the swamp. So if there is a plus there, that's a big plus. I mean, while well, going 12 for 25 for a buck 34, they completed 48% of his balls. Yeah. For 134 yards and was sacked five times. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. It's an excellent debut. And say a handful of those sacks were due to the fact that he probably was holding on to the football. Probably so. Um, I said it last week, and I, I know. I know that we have if, – if we have matriculated our way as a national show into any fan base, it's Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Florida State fans are here. They show up. They watch. Um, and I said it last week, and I felt a little bad for doing so. But it's 2023. Participation trophies are cool. Like we're all we're all on board for these things. Give them a 2023 college football playoff selection trophy if they went out, and then just ask them politely to sit at home and let four teams compete for this thing. Because I, if you're a Florida State fan right now, what do you think will happen if you play Michigan? If you're a Florida State fan right now, what do you think will happen if you play Georgia? Vegas might favor those football teams by 17 points. And as much as I am for fairness, I am here for fairness. I am also here for best four. And if if we can all agree that you're one of the best four teams uh, seven days from now, that's fine. But right now, there's I mean, you're like seventh, eighth down the list mm-hmm. um, because of the unfortunate circumstances. And that's just the way it is. I mean, that's why I do really, really love what we have going on right now in the college football playoff with the the four because you still have to remain relatively perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next year, you won't. Next year, this isn't even a discussion. Next year, we're cool. Florida State, you get to go get drubbed up by, you know, whoever in the 5 versus 12 matchup, and you get to be the football team that lost to Tulane. Just saying. It might happen next year if this were to be the case. Um, or you squeak by them like you did against Florida. Um, but I, it, it, it is unfortunate. It very much so is unfortunate. But I think at this rate, man, if they squeak out a win against Louisville, we're the unfortunate ones. The college football fan. The college football fan will be the unfortunate one because we will have lost, essentially, a college football playoff round. Mm-hmm. And Mike Norvell and Florida State fans will listen to that and be like, screw you. We can defy all the odds. We earned it. 
I wait 17 weeks of college football to earn a really, really good first-round college football playoff, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. I earned it, too, um, in my <laughs> well, opinion. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't automatically assume they're going to get boat raced by whoever they play. You can't? You can't, no. You can't. You can't. So, if they get in, you, you have to stand by the fact that they have an opportunity to win whoever they play in the first Absolutely. round. Absolutely. When we go into that preview. Absolutely. I'm going to hold you to it. Absolutely. Even we, if it's a 17-point spread. We did the exact same thing with TCU last year. No one took that team. Except they were healthy. Yeah, but that's – Florida State's a much better team. Except though. the fact that it did end up happening. It did, but it didn't in the first round. I, I agree with that. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But, I mean, if Florida State comes in and they beat whoever they play in the first round, Michigan, Georgia, we have to at least legitimize, okay, they deserved a spot. You can't say TCU didn't deserve to be in the 14 playoff last year because they got beat by 58 by to Georgia. They they beat Michigan. They beat a what number two the number two team yeah. in the country. So they 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 legitimize themselves, and I think Florida State also will have the opportunity to do that. On paper, right now, no, I don't think they should be in there, but they can absolutely prove their worth once you get them in. Just I don't valiant efforts of of uh, my man's over here playing. I don't know. Side. I'm I'm here. I'm on Brooks' side for this because there was nothing more irritating than watching teams like Notre Dame for that stretch of years continuously get put into the college football playoff yeah. when everybody knew what was going to happen and everybody knew they didn't belong. Now I'll give Florida State their credit for the fact of all the way up until this point, you have absolutely earned every right to be in the college football playoff. You took care of business every single week, every despite the fact that everybody was waiting for you to lose and slip up a football game this year, myself included. But I just am not a fan of I, – I know that we have to do it in a sense, that we have to put these teams in there. I just hate the fact that we have to sit there and everybody knows that they probably shouldn't be there, but the fact that of like, oh, well, we just have to put them – same thing with like Cincinnati a couple years ago. It's like, okay, whatever, but we know what's going to happen. I, I think it's okay to say that they earn their right if they win out and that yeah. they rightfully will be selected in the college football playoff Yes, while also saying that they're probably going to get boat raced. Not will – Probably yeah. will. Yeah, it's it's likely to happen. It's okay. likely to happen. But I'm, I'm not saying like fair. You can't come in here saying, "Well, Florida State's in. We're going to watch a 50 point blowout." But it's also fair to say that, dang, Florida State's in. If they kept Oregon out, that would suck. Or yeah. if they kept Alabama out, or whatever it is, whoever they keep out. If we're sitting here saying, well, probably a better football team," that kind of defies the purpose of the four team playoff. If they the four team yeah. playoff is, be- is is in my opinion. Should be best four teams right now. Let's go at it. Yeah. If they're the number four seed and say there's a one loss Georgia at number five. Yeah, you're going to be hot. That, that, that's, I mean, come on. You're going to be hot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah George fans are definitely going to be hot about that. I think college football fans should be hot mm-hmm. because of that. If a two time defending national champion gets out because of a, or gets kicked out because of a three point loss, okay, to Alabama this weekend and Florida State walks through or sneaks by Louisville, literally limps through, and they get in. You have a right to be angry. I'm just – but then again, you also have a right to say, well, they survived their yeah. slate. You yeah. know what I mean? So they did what you could. They, ha- they handled they their business. They did what you couldn't. They exactly. stood on their business. Stood on business. Stood on business. Um, should we interview your superlatives before – actually, before that, let's say bye to the Pac-12. Bye. Um, Pac-12 after dark. I will miss you. I will miss you. I will miss you eternally. I will miss you forever. Pac-2 after dark? Not happening. No, nah, dude. Those two got to find t- a conference. Yeah, what right. are we what are we doing saying that they're going to be a conference? They're not Notre like, Dame, what man. What the heck, man? You can't you can't be out here being an independent. You're freaking uh, <laughs> you're Washington State. You're not an independent school. Yeah, the the Pac-12 after dark for me was like the first time that I really it cemented to me that I truly love the sport of football because mm. it was like 
you find yourself like it's one thirty a.m. I'm watching four and six Cal battle three and seven Stanford, and I'm on the edge. Of and my I'm seat. like, dude, this is a great game right now. This bro. is what it's Holy all about. Shit. This is what it's all. This I love football. And then you find out you can put money on these teams. Oh, oh my over. gosh, this is amazing. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna miss the Pac-12 mostly because it's one of those games where it's like, oh man, it's twelve thirty. Oh wait a minute, there's a Pac-12 game on right now. So. And we'll still get that when Penn State yeah. has to travel across the country and yeah. play at 9 o'clock on the West Coast and then get yep. up and, you know, travel back to Sunday, lose three hours on their way back over, be, be you know, be a – what's it called? When you, uh, when you get jet on jet lag, jet lag, be jet lagged for the whole 36 hours uh, leading into a potential, you know, Thursday night football game. That'd be mm -hmm. dope. That'd be some real cool shit for Penn State or Ohio State or Michigan to have to deal with um, like they will for the foreseeable future. Uh, so bye-bye to the Pac-12. Let's do our end-of-the-year award show. Can I do one thing real yeah, quick? Yeah, come on. I'm going to hit this Washington-Wazoo game oh, real yeah, quick. Oh, yeah, you told me you, you I got, got a stat on this. this, so I'm just going to do it real quick. After the Oregon game, Michael Penix was – or going into the Oregon game and at, right after, he was averaging 383.5 passing yards per game. Since then, he is averaging 200 and – 66 passing yards per game. These are the passing defenses that he's played. Arizona State, 123rd. Stanford, 132nd. USC, 118th. Utah, 64th. Oregon State, 62nd. Washington, 90th. So two middle-of-the-pack teams, two horrid teams against the pass, and he's at 125 yards per game less yes. against those opponents? Yes. Bye-bye Heisman. Yep. Bye-bye Heisman. I don't care what happens. Um, I don't know. If you win this week, you throw for 450, you probably – get invited you, alongside you got a big Nicks. conversation for it whoever had i feel like whoever has the best game this week between carson beck michael Penix, bo nicks that's your heisman winner really i mean who else who else is there on the slate Jaden daniels Jaden daniels has done enough that's and that's where we were going to go we we're going to start our end of the year superlatives with the heisman trophy i am voting for Jaden Daniels. I would give um, Jaden daniels my vote right now Jaden daniels gets my vote for the heisman uh, assuming that Nothing crazy happens with Bo Nix this weekend. I'm still. I just don't think Bo Nix has done enough from a cartoon statistic standpoint to overcome what Jaden Daniels has done, despite the fact that they are in national title contention. In my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I part of me just thinks that there's a lot of value on playing that 13th game and performing well in a conference championship. That's that'll be enough to put you over. But because because if Bo Nix has a 400 yard game, everyone's gonna be talking about Bo Nix. Everyone's gonna be doing memes about him. Jaden Daniels is gonna be an afterthought. But the fact that Jaden Daniels is not playing you know, in this 13th game is nothing to do we, with Jaden Daniels. That that's stop? fine. I agree with it. But I mean, th there is team value put into a Heisman. Otherwise, wins and losses wouldn't account for it at all. Look, I know I'm a notorious Bo Nix hater. I know. And I know he's completing seventy eight percent of his balls. But can we can we not act like this has been some absolutely earth shattering season? I mean he's no got one thirty nine hundred yards. He's got a hundred and some odd, you know, rushing yards. This is not this is not video game. This is not Heisman trophy. This is a good quarterback who's played a great season on a really good football team. I agree. I don't I don't think there is a clear cut, oh my God, look at the video game numbers he's putting up this season. Jaden. Jane Daniels. Jaden Daniels has put up RG3 numbers this year. Dude, Malik Neighbors has 1,500 receiving yards right now. I mean, that is because his quarterback is putting up video game Jayden, numbers. Jaden Daniels was 60 yards short of the 5,000 club. 5,000 all-purpose yards. There's only been like three, okay, Heisman Trophy winners to even reach that number. It's been like Joe Burrow, uh, the dude from BYU several years ago. 
uh, Greasy, I think it was, um, and uh, RG3, I think it was, that just eclipsed 5,000 yards. I'm talking about RG3 had like 5,007 total yards. And this dude was, or I mean, right there. Talking about total touchdowns, put up 50. The only recent Heisman Trophy winner to have that many was Lamar Jackson. He had 51. Jeez. This guy did everything required to win a Heisman on a, on a three-loss football team. Mm-hmm. And I know that's, that's the other little measuring stick. And I said Sunday on the show, I, I think RG3's Heisman and Lamar Jackson's Heisman's are really, really good examples of what we have right now where we have a, a guy like Bo Nix who's put up a, a, an A-minus season, okay? A, an A-minus in terms of Heisman trophies. If he were to win a Heisman trophy this year, he gets ranked in, like, the bottom half of, like, holy shit, look at the, what that guy did that year. You know what I mean? So, in terms of that discussion, we have a Bo Nix, whereas Jaden Daniels is putting up these video game numbers. In 2016, we had Lamar Jackson putting up video game numbers. We also had Deshaun Watson about to win a national title and playing for a national title contender and putting up relatively good numbers, A minus again. I said the other day, probably would have voted for Deshaun Watson. You go back to uh, RG3's year, three loss, uh, you know, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. You look at Andrew Luck's season that year, A minus statistically, wasn't doing a bunch of video game stuff, but was very clearly one of the best players in the country on the best football team. I think the Heisman comp, like I said Sunday, is Johnny Manziel. We don't have have the second place winner in the Heisman Trophy discussion right now being Monte Teow. The second argument is Bo Nix, and he's had a good enough season. Yeah, but here's my issue, one issue with Jaden Daniels. What's his Heisman moment this year? The the overall, what what is Bo Nix's? I, I don't know, but I'm just saying. But Bo Nix could it but could be the Pac-12 it could be the Pac-12 cha- championship. Again, my point of if if LSU wins the Ole Miss game, that's his Heisman moment. That dude played a phenomenal that's, football that's game. That's fine. I and agree his with defense that. is the reason why he did not win that football game because Ole Miss was able to score neck and neck with them. I also agree with that, but it's still going to go in a column as a loss. He didn't. But I'm win saying that, that's he a Heisman get, moment. We're just not looking at it because they lost the football game. But it's well, not a Heisman, Heisman moment if you don't work. if you yeah. don't win the game. I, did, I mean, not it's necessarily not. in my opinion. I don't think you have Lamar to Jackson's win the football Heisman game moment didn't come. Lamar Jackson's Heisman moment didn't come against Clemson in 2016. Again, against the Florida State game when they put up like 49 points against the number three team in the country. You have to have that big. Even RG three. RG three beat number five Oklahoma. People forget that. That's that's the Heisman moment for him. That's what put him over the edge. Yeah, he didn't play in a conference championship, but he had a big win. Jaden Daniels hadn't been able to do that this season. He's put up insane numbers. And yeah, his team's been dog okay. shit, but he hasn't had that Heisman moment win for me. What's his? What's Bo Nix's Heisman? Moment? That's what I'm saying. It could be this one. weekend. Okay. That's why I'm saying. It could, it wait. Very well could be. That's why weekend. I'm on the wait and see. If yeah. no, if no one does anything special this week, yes, give Jaden Daniels the Heisman. If Carson Beck throws for 450, if Bo Nix has a 400 yard game, they're your Heisman winners. That's why I think there's so much value in playing in a conference championship. I just think it's a damn shame if we did not reward Jaden Daniels' season. I think that's a damn shame. That's fine. Uh, I don't know if we've had. Have we had a, a guy like this not win it, where he's had one of these seasons and didn't win the Heisman? I don't know. Because this is historical greatness. I mean, Ndamukong and Sue's greatness in 2009, was, but it's it's defensive Defense. statistics. It's not as comparable. But he pulled a uh, he pulled a uh, Pistol Pete Maravich that year, <laughs> won the Big 12 MVP in a game in which he lost. <laughs> That's yeah. how good Ndamukong Sue was that season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, nah, I think Johnny Johnny is the example. Uh, in the sense that Johnny Manziel won a Heisman as a non-college football, you know, national title contender. Mm-hmm. Um, but he only did so, again, because it was like the dude from Kansas State, the quarterback. If Colin Klein. That. Colin Klein. Shouts out number seven. Uh, and fake girlfriend Monteteo. That was it. Yeah. That and was all he was going up against. And what did he do? 
I mean, he beat Bama. Today. He beat Bama in Bama. Yeah. So there, there's your Heisman. There's your Heisman. You have, you have to have that moment for me to say, like, yeah, you're far and away the Heisman. Like, I, I agree. If Jaden Daniels beat Ole Miss in that you're game. You're correct in the sense that no Heisman moment and no national title contender, that's tough. But I just think it's – I. I just think it's tough to say it's not a Heisman moment just because it was, you didn't win the football game. I just think how that, they work. That's how they that, work. I disagree, though. I don't think it should have to work that Who, way. Who's got a losing Heisman Na- moment? Name, a Heisman, saying, name like, a Heisman moment where the guy lost. Why, a win and loss. Like, I'm, a, I'm not of the belief that we have to say a win. Like, wins and losses, I don't think our quarterback stat. That is a team stat. So just because Jaden Daniels' team did not win that football game does not mean that that was not a Heisman performance from Jaden Daniels. I agree, but it's not a Heisman moment. Jaden Daniels. Jane Daniels. So I, I'm going to say wait, wait and see, wait and but, see got, but I'm leaning, leaning Bo Nix. All right, coach of the year, who wins it? Mike Who's Nor- done the best job this year? Mike Norvell. As as unpretty as That's a lot fair. of the games have been, he's finally gotten a team where three years ago they were winning four games to now they're na- true national title contenders. Injury or not, they're in the playoff discussion. It's, it's Jeff Brom for me. That, that's also a good answer. That's a really First good answer. First year head coach out there, turns him into an 11-win football team or 10-win football team. Got a chance to be eleven in the in the uh, bowl game. That's a really good answer. I think if Oregon wins, I think you Dan Lanning. Mm. That's who I would go with. I was leaning Dan Lanning. The only thing that turned me away from it was a lot of the decisions he made in the Washington game. Shouts out Eli Drinkowitz as well mm. in this. Discussion. Yeah, Drinks a great candidate. Yeah, There's a lot no of good doubt. candidates for coach a of the lot year. Of, a lot of guys that did some great jobs this year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we got to get got to give a little plug to Drink right there. I think he deserves a shout. Um. Who else? Hmm. Hmm. Mike Elko, I mean, Mike Elko. Nah, he, he basically I, I, he was just, close. He was on the verge of getting into that until his quarterback got hurt. Yeah, Seven I, I agree. Um, Anybody else outperform? Anything? There's definitely someone that we're missing, but yeah, definitely. Biggest disappointment. I think this one's easy. Go. I want to see what you Lincoln think. Riley. Yeah, yeah. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley and what USC did this year with what we were told to be the greatest, you know, quarterback to ever walk the planet. Um, to be seven and five is disgraceful. I also think what Dabo Sweeney did this year was extremely disappointing, mainly because you hyped it up so much to the yeah. fact where you told the world that you had the highest culture score ever, which mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but congrats. he definitely needs to be mentioned in that conversation. Tennessee yeah. as well, I think. If it weren't for Tyler from Spartanburg, I don't know if Clemson gets back right. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Buying stock now, though, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's a solid case for biggest disappointment. You got another. Uh, Suggestion? I don't know. I th- I'm Joe Milton. I, I, I mean, good call. Joe Milton. Yeah. Joe Milton. Huge disappointment this year. Jeez, my from gosh. A, a national perspective. Y'all remember when Jordan Palmer called him the most talented player in America? Yeah. Um. By the way, I love that take, and I might steal that take later on if I need to be a catchy take artist, um, because it's still defensible. He could still come out here today and say he's still the most talented. He just didn't perform up to his talents. So That's fine. One of those sneaky takes that you, you just got to make sure that you add, behind. and it's not even close at the end. Yeah, always got to add that. It's at not the even end. close there. That was nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a huge disappointment. Do we have anything else? Not from disappointments. No. Though. All right. Biggest surprise this year. Uh, Pac-12. Washington mm. for me. Yeah, Pac-12. You have two teams very, very much in the hunt for a playoff spot, and I did not expect that to happen. I was adamant that it wouldn't yeah, happen. Yeah, at least Oregon, you kind of got a taste that Dan Lanning would have that ship in the right direction fairly quickly because they were successful after the beating and the drumming that they got from Georgia last year. But I think Washington, the season that they've had, I think that's a big surprise. And hmm, I'm trying to think of another one. I think for me the biggest surprise is that uh, Dana Holgrimson at Houston, Dave Aranda at Baylor, 
and Gus Malzahn at UCF, three football coaches that I think are really, really good, were absolute shit in the Big 12 this oh, year. horrible. So much so that Holgrimson's fired. Aranda doesn't look great. They already said that they're going to bring him back. I, I know, but still, you, you have to do but, that. Yeah, you, you have, have to make to the that. statement of we're we bringing him back. We're going to bring him back. Yeah. That was a surprise to me um, this year, considering what we thought of the Big 12. I, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't expect West Virginia to be a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team no. while Houston's down in the bottom of it. I think you also have to give another shout-out to Missouri again in this conversation. Mm. Not many Definitely people had them finishing as high as they did. In the I'm going to try to find my SEC rankings um, so I can see how right and how wrong I was on this. Um, best player in college football this year, who was it? It's Brock Bowers. Love the take. Why? Because if Brock, ba I mean, if Brock Bowers is healthy, he's got a 1,200 receiving yards and who knows how many touchdowns. He's the one of the few players who I've seen in the SEC this year that can take over a game and truly win it. Who do you got? Uh, best player. Best player in college football. Who has it been? Brock Bowers is a really good one just because of, like, when he was healthy, he took over games, and he played like the best player in the conference, in the country, every single time he touched the football. I think, oh, Gosh, I'm, I'm really struggling to think of a different one that's not like guys we've already mentioned really in the Heisman conversation because I think it is a difference. There's a difference there. I thought Marvin Harrison showed that Definitely. despite the fact that he's got C-minus quarterback play, he could still have 150. Yeah. I mean, there were there were times against Penn State where Ibuka's not on the field. McCord's got a sphincter that you couldn't drive a nail through. And all of a sudden, Marvin Harrison's taking over a football game, despite the fact that he's being double covered. Like, that. that's nuts. Mm -hmm. I thought at times this year he showed that he was in that discussion. Yeah, the fact that he can be a bailout every single time for him, and you're going to succeed You're going to succeed 85% of the time throwing the ball to him, that is one of the best players in college football. How about a quick shout-out to Cody Schrader? Cody Schrader, he has a been a football season super impressive. Maybe the best, super maybe impressive. best running back in college football. Best story, maybe. Yeah, Drink I, said it's <clears throat> quit Drink said that. quit doing the story. Yeah, thing. he said Talk it's not a great story. He's a great player. Classic Drink. Y'all want to hear my? Uh, <laughs> actually, let's let's do these superlatives before I go in. I got my predictions over here um, from the SEC championships, or if the SEC predicted order of finish, and not too shabby. Not not bad, honestly. Like, re honestly, really good, except for two teams, two or three. Three teams that really screwed me over there, all in the SEC East. I, I think I pretty much nailed the SEC West, so shouts out to me. Um, best game this year. What was it? I know mine. I've got my answer. Go. It's still Colorado, Colorado yep, State. Colorado, Colorado State. <laughs> that <laughs> that game a, was so good. That that was was I want to go mainline game. that football right uh, now, that yeah. football game right now. Recency bias would keep people from saying that football game, but that is that was a phenomenal football game. I had I, the whole world up at 2.30 watching oh, the daggum man. Colorado State Rams. Yeah. I love to reminisce on the days of where Colorado was a talk around the town. That feels Duke like Notre four Dame years finish ago. was elite. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean. Duke Notre Dame finish was elite. That game was more sad to me, though. Yeah, it was ugly. Like I walked, I, I walked away from that game. I didn't care who won, but I was just like, ah, oh, I feel like empty right now. We might, we slick might get it this weekend. I think Georgia Alabama's got a chance to be like, just beautiful, mm -hmm. just excellent football. I think you got an opportunity for, for it in the playoffs this year too. Yeah, mm -hmm. you got some, you got some opportunity for some great football games in the playoff. All right, best moment of the season. Dude, the, was it the LSU fan, right? Or was it the Ole Miss fan? The Ole Miss fan. Talking Miss oh, fan that's my favorite moment. We did it! We fucking did oh. it! Oh. <laughs> hey! Oh. 
That was my favorite moment of the entire year. What do you got? It might be recency bias, but the Grave Digger. Huh? That you know, that's the that's the name of oh, the play the on name fourth of the play. and thirty one. They, oh. they already named the play. It's the name. It's literally the name of the play. I don't know why. Oh, because the play call is called the, the Grave. Yeah, Digger. the play call is called Grave Digger. Hmm. I mean, fourth and thirty one on the ten year anniversary of the kick six. That is pretty, pretty fitting. That's insane. It's pretty nuts. Um, I had one in my head just now that I just let slip. Um, Caleb Williams crying in his mom's arms. I don't. I don't laugh at those kind of things. I'm emotional. Hell, I cry at the end of shows sometimes. No, 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 no. Uh, what? What's the quarterback's name? Max Duggan quote tweeting LOL after it. He did. He did. I didn't know he did that. Oh, that's payback. Ooh. Yeah. That's payback because you Caleb didn't want to LOL him. You didn't want to give a shout out to your turnover tire from Akron. I love the turnover tire, but it's not the best moment. Call. Oh, tough team. Oh man, tough team. <laughs> tough team. That was a great moment of. Call. You know, I'd, lo- I'd love to wear. I'd love to wear no Lou Holtz is right now. You know, that's a great moment because it's what it stood still. or it's withstand what stood the entire season. Yeah, it was, that was early in the football season. It's continued to be a thing. And you know, it's every a great, single week. You know, it's a great moment when it only takes two words to remind everyone where yep. you're. Tough team. <laughs> and yeah. yep, exactly. Ryan Day being a goof. <laughs> Amen. Ryan Day pregame jumping around Saturday was kind of goofy too. Mm-hmm. He was feeling jacket, loose. That jacket was kind of dope though. Yeah, not gonna it was lie. Pretty cool. Um, who wins the Heisman? If you had to make a bet. If I had to make a bet, I, I would make a bet. Right I would now. make a bet. Bo Nix. I would make a bet. Jaden Daniels. Who do you got? If I had to make a bet, yeah, I'm gonna stick with the person I, who I said I think should win it. Pull up the SEC standings for me, boys. One of y'all. Um. All right, we'll start with the SEC East. I picked Georgia preseason to win the SEC East. That hit and cashed. I picked Tennessee to finish second. They did not. Missouri did. I finished. I had Missouri finishing fifth. Okay. Um, so that was a, a big, massive miss. I had big Kentucky. Whiff. Yeah, I had Kentucky finishing third. Mm. Who actually finished third? Uh, Tennessee. Okay. So Kentucky finished fourth. No. Who did? Florida. I had Florida finishing sixth. So, I, I jacked up everything but first and last in the <laughs> SEC East. I had Georgia and Vandy first and last. You had me thinking you got four out of six. Uh, I got three out of six. Um, even though I had South Carolina finishing fourth, they finished sixth, didn't they? Uh, yeah, this they was finished back, right this above was, Vanderbilt. This was still the Brooks of, I'd play for Shane Beamer. Yeah, this was still, I like uh, Shane that's Beamer. True, that's before, true. I didn't know he was giving the feet for free. This <laughs> Man can't even break out on OnlyFans. Um, all right, in terms of the Western Division, though, I nailed this one. Okay. okay. I had Alabama first. Ole Miss finished second, didn't mm-hmm. I? I had LSU second, Ole Miss third. So, I flip-flopped those. Nailed it. I had Auburn finishing fourth. Texas A&M did. I had Texas A&M finishing sixth. <laughs> um, I had Ar- Arkansas finishing fifth and Mississippi State finishing seventh. Yeah, it goes Texas A&M, Auburn, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Arkansas finished dead last. Dead last. One in seven in the conference. Wow. You nailed the West? I mean, I got it close. You got you, you got the Look, winners, honestly, right? Like yeah, Mississippi on, State, they were also one in seven in the conference. Yeah. So, but, oh, well. I mean, what were yours, Mr. SEC credentialed? I didn't make this. I don't, I don't make those predictions, dude. You know I'm what? I'm just kidding. We didn't get credentials for that. Maybe one day. That's the joke. Um... I'll tell you about a joke off air that I had this weekend with a very high up ranking official that okay. absolutely crushed. Um, we got anything else, guys? No. It's been a loaded show. We gave we gave them extra content tonight. We did. We gave them what an extra twelve minutes tonight. Holy smokes! Um, love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.